It's so good to see people back in the room. It really is. Um, Brock mentioned in a video that we shot sometime last week, he, he kind of used the analogy that, that he saw his role and my role right now as kind of like the bus drivers. Um, and um, just kind of sounding the, the, uh, the horn that the bus is about to leave the station. We feel like it's time for the church to regather and get moving again. And, and we know that there are many of you watching online this morning and you're watching online this morning because you're not comfortable yet coming back into the room, and that's fine. We respect that. Um, but the invitation is for you to come back into community somehow, okay? And it's much easier to experience community when surrounded by community. And so um, I want you to be praying for a couple of specific things. Um, you notice the room looks a little different if this is your first time back. You notice the tables around the edges. This is to accommodate families with children. And we're doing it intentionally because we realize that children's ministry will be probably the last thing that seems normal again, right? I mean, maybe when, when kids go back to school in the fall, we'll have a better idea of how, how to do this. But pray for Claudia, because this is not how she thought this year was going to be going. Um, and she's doing a great job of being a forward thinker and trying to trying to look at some best practices that are out there and bring them to our, our kids. So, but pray for our kids. I mean, there's some kids that have forgotten how to be together, you know, and and the other thing is student ministry. We knew coming into the year this year that we were transitioning because Jason and Beth had transitioned out of the student pastor role. And we had asked you guys to start praying for the first three months for our, our student ministry. Um, and we had all these great plans for the summer. And we were, in fact, we're supposed to be leaving to go to, to the Rocky Mountains like next week. And so um, all that got canceled. And our students are longing for community. And we're asking you guys to help us pray for wisdom and how to do that, okay? And so for that reason, we are taking a, a different approach in this room um, for the summer, trying to create an environment where the whole family can worship together. So, so it'll look a little bit different, but that is on purpose. And so I'm excited about telling you this morning what our new series for the summer is going to be. We're starting it today, kicking it off. It's going to be called Reunion Tour 2020. Reunion Tour 2020, and we're going to take a fresh look at some old stories that most of us, many of us, if you grew up in church, you've heard these Bible stories over and over again. And so we're going to, we're going to do some story-based teaching. This morning we're going to be in the book of Joshua, and so if you have your Bible, you can open it up to Joshua chapter 5, and we're going to jump into that. But uh, our hope is that we can uh, take a fresh look at some of these stories, maybe a little different perspective, get reacquainted with some old friends, and reacquainted with each other. As we, uh, as we take this journey together. And so first stop is Joshua chapter 5. Are you ready? All right. I, I, I did this in the early service, and it was awful. If I'm being honest with you, it was just awful. I mean, yeah. So hopefully it's better this time. Nowhere to go but up, okay? I like to set the bar low, so maybe it'll be, you know, be easier for me. Okay. So Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read this story. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read the first part. We're going to start in Joshua chapter 5 at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 13. And then we're going to read the first five verses of Joshua chapter 6 to set the stage, okay? Are we ready? Somebody say yes. All right, here we go. Joshua 5, 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? 
or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Starting in verse, in chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. This you shall do for six days. Seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. You've heard this story before, right? Like, uh, God gives some really strange instructions to take down the most fortified city in the world at that time. It was heavily fortified. Jericho was the first big obstacle standing between the children of Israel and the promised land, okay? And so before we get too far into this, I want to kind of set the stage with you to tell you how I first kind of got acquainted with the story, okay? Um, Most of you, well, some of you probably know that before I was ever a teaching pastor, here, I was a worship pastor. I was, the, I was the music guy. But what you might not know is that I didn't start singing until I was in high school. Didn't, didn't, couldn't play the guitar, still can't play the guitar. Um, let's, I, you don't have to agree with me. Okay, it's fine. Hey, by the way, Tim, way to go, man. It's good to see you up there on the... Um, just positive affirmation, you know, that's, that's what I'm about. Um, so, high school, this family from Tennessee moves to my hometown, starts coming to my church. Got a hot daughter, okay? Um, her dad happens to be the music guy. Starts a youth choir. I don't sing yet. I don't, I don't sing, but there's a youth choir, and there's this little bitty choir loft where we're practicing, so hot chick's going to be there too, you know? And so I show up completely not caring about singing. They pass out the first sheet music. I don't read music. I mean, I'm just really there for the girl, okay? I ended up marrying her, by the way. It kind of worked out in my favor, okay? But they pass out this song, and it's called Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, okay? And the words were kind of, and it sounded kind of like this. Sing along. Fit the Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. the Battle of song because we never sang that song in any of the concerts we did and I really think it's because we couldn't put that kind of stank on it you know that because you got to really sing that stuff okay so that's that's probably my earliest memory of this bible story okay is is that old that spiritual and that Mahalia Jackson that was from 1957 I wasn't even born yet most of you weren't 
The Nat King Cole Show. So cool. Yesterday I was looking at that, and then I saw right below it, the next link was Mahalia Jackson and Louis Armstrong singing Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Oh, my gosh. You need to go check that out. It's, it's, it's worth it. Louis Armstrong's lips never go together when he sings. You know that? Skies are blue. Red roses. It's awesome. I love that guy. Okay, so my youth choir experience paid off because I did date that girl for five years. Her name's Angela, but her friends call her Angie. And uh, we celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary this past week. It's pretty cool. And over the course of those 32 years, God's allowed us to collect a lot of children. Okay, we, we had some of ourselves. We found one somewhere else, you know. Um, but, but one thing was consistent in the way we parented those kids is music always played like this huge role. Like, we got a million videos of Cody as a, as a baby and Angie just saying, sing this, sing this. And she'd start song, and he starts singing. It's like, on, he was a jukebox back then. Now, if I ask him to sing, he won't sing. And now I realize it's PTSD, Cody. You're pushing back from all those times we made you sing as a toddler. I get it now. See, self-awareness is a good thing, people. Be willing to see yourself for what you are. Okay. Anyway, Valencia, before she ever could speak English, was singing Glory to God Forever on a rooftop in Haiti. It was beautiful. It was a way that we connected with our kids. And so, so we had all these videos and songs that we'd let them sing and let them watch when they were growing up. And, and one of them always kind of stood out more than the others in, in my mind because I think I just liked it. And, uh, and so some of the kids in the room, if you don't know this, if you've never seen this before, then shame on your parents. Okay, take a look at this. One of my favorites. What are you doing? We're going to knock, knock your, your wall, wall down. down. By walking around in circles? Yes. It's not because we're crazy or anything. Our God told us to do it this way. Oh, that's a great idea. You go ahead and keep walking. Sing along if you know it. Keep walking, but you won't knock down our wall. Keep walking, but she isn't gonna fall. It's plain to see. Your brains are very small to think walking. We'll be knocking down our wall. Okay, that's enough. If you want to watch the rest of it, parents, go drop a little change on your, on your kids, buy them some DVDs. I think I've got them on VHS if you want to borrow those. Anyway, this song, this, this keep walking but you won't knock down our wall, it's, it's, the whole story seems so simple, right? But it requires so much faith to actually pull it off. And I want us to look at that. I want to pull out like three or four, maybe five, just points that I, I just never looked at in this way before, okay? But before we get into it, I want you to understand where this story happened in the, in the history of Israel, okay? They were coming out of their 40-year wandering period in the desert. Moses is passing the leadership on to Joshua, okay? And so as soon as Joshua takes over, it's time for them to enter into the promised land, and that's where we picked up in chapter 5, verse 13, where Joshua is near the city of Jericho, this most heavily fortified city in the world. It is standing between him and God's promise for him. And so 
God tells him, gives him some really specific instructions through this angel. This is what I want you to do. This is how you're going to take the city. The first thing that Joshua does when he prepares to to be obedient to what God calls him to do is he sends out two spies into Jericho and they go, you can read about it in Joshua chapter 2, they go to a prostitute's house named Rahab and she hides them and she lies to the king of Jericho to protect them, okay? He sent two spies out. Well, 40 years earlier in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and 14, you can read about the time before when Moses had sent out 12 spies. And you remember what happened. Those 12 spies came back and 10 of them said, we can't do it. There are giants in the land and they quaked with fear. Two of them said, no, we should do it and we should do it now. But consensus took over. And the the people of Israel started murmuring and and complaining against God and they wanted to pick a leader to take them back to Egypt. And you remember how this whole story played out. Well, Joshua was having no part of that this time. Because this is a deal, and you can write this down. You might not like it, but you can write it down. In times of fear, in times of stress, in times of war, consensus is not your ally. If you're looking for everyone to agree with you on a course of action in times like that, that is not what's modeled in the Bible when it comes to leadership. When, when crisis happens, we need strong leaders to lead being led by the Spirit. Men, there's some men in the room. It's time for you to step up and start leading your family through this. Um, there's there's some, some men in the church that it's time to get up again. Start, start leading. Don't, don't just look at what public opinion is saying and say, well, oh, well 10 out of the 12 say that we're, we should be afraid. What's the Spirit saying? What's the Spirit saying? Leaders lead, regardless of consensus. So Joshua sends out those two spies, and as soon as they come back, he says, we're going. No more waiting around, not waiting for everybody to agree with him. He said, this is how it's going to be. And so that's, that's kind of where we pick up this story. We're coming into Jericho. We're about to cross the Jordan River. The, the, the story of crossing the Jordan River is it's incredible. I think it's in Joshua chapter 3. It's, it's just as miraculous as when, when Moses parted the Red Sea. It's, it's, the, the, the river was, was blocked on both sides and they went through on dry land. It's a beautiful story. Okay? But this is where this story comes from. Okay? That's, that's where we pick it up. And so just a few key things that I want to give you before we worship a little more and then we'll go home. Are we ready? This would mean Yes. All right, you still haven't recovered from the Veggie Tales song, right? Kids, have you ever seen that stuff? Yeah? Sweet. Those loser parents in the first service, their kids didn't even know it. Can you believe that? Okay. I knew there was something cool about you. Okay, the first one is this. First key point, spiritual truth that I think we can get from the story of the fall of Jericho is that this story marks the end of a time of wandering and the beginning of a wartime. Okay? The, the end of wandering and the beginning of pursuing that which God had promised. Okay? Why is that important? Because I feel like the church at large in times like this is coming out of a, of a season of wandering. 
of just like it's a sleeping giant that's just been laying dormant. And then all this COVID stuff happened, and now there's all this, this, this just turmoil about people looking at people and trying to see their differences rather than agreeing on what we have in common. And it is a wartime, people. It is, I mean, you can look around and you can see that things are not the way they have ever been. That means maybe our priorities need to change a little. Let me give you an example. Brock already mentioned it. Last Sunday night, had some friends over. We're celebrating Brock's 40th birthday. We had just eaten. It was a beautiful evening. We were playing Frisbee in the backyard. And it was, it was just a beautiful evening. And then we get one phone call. And every priority in our lives changed. My, every priority that, that was, everything that was important right then, it was, it's not that what we were doing was bad. It was beautiful. But somebody rang the bell. It was time. Someone was in crisis. And my friend Mike Hamlin had, had gone into cardiac arrest. And so a bunch of us were just sitting back there. And it was sobering. It was we just sat and stared at each other for a few minutes, and then somebody kind of shakes me and said, you got to go. Okay. And priorities change in times of crisis. You guys didn't think the last week your wife's life was going to look anything like it looked, right? I mean, it puts so many things in perspective when crisis hits. Guys, the church, us as believers, the world needs us to live with priorities that are aligned with the gospel. Not with chasing our own kingdoms. Not with petty things. It's t- the time for wandering is over, guys. It's wartime. And maybe, maybe we need to change our priorities. Okay, That's the first thing. Second thing I want to point out here is that it seems like God has always called people to simple acts of faith that make no sense at all. No sense at all. Like, for instance, in this story, he gave very specific instructions. You guys are going to walk around this place. You're going to have the warriors in front. You're going to have seven priests, seven horns. They're going to blow the horns. And when I give you the signal, you're going to shout. And it's got to be in the exactly right order. You're going to do it one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times. It doesn't sound like a recipe for success, does it? I mean, it's just... Why, why did they have to do it? Because God has always called people to simple acts of faith that make no logical sense to the human mind. Why? Because that's what faith is. Why do you get on an airplane when you used to be able to get on an airplane? Because you had faith that it was going to get you where it was going to go. You didn't understand how the airplane worked. When you sat down in those chairs today, you, you didn't think before you sat down, well, I hope this chair holds me. You just expected it to hold you. Guys, it's not like we are not capable of incredible acts of faith on a daily basis. But it seems like when God asks us to do them, it becomes this much, much harder thing. So why was God just, why did he tell him to do it exactly this way? Why? Did he just want him to look foolish in front of the, the, the Jericho army? Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea why God asks us to do some of the things that God asks us to do. But He does. And this is the best reason I could come up with. Are you ready for this? I think He asks us to do these things because God always rewards acts of consistent and persistent obedience. 
Any parents in the room ever struggle with your kids keeping their room clean? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? Okay. You've told them once, right? To clean the room. And maybe once they did, but then the room goes... There's something about obedience when it's one time, when it's sometimes, when it's not all the time, but there's something else when it's consistent and persistent. You just keep doing the right thing over and over and over again, right? Guys, that is the call of the gospel on our lives, is consistent and persistent obedience. And not saying, but dad, why? But dad, why? I don't. Consistent and persistent obedience. God gave instructions through the commander of the armies of the Lord. Do it exactly this way. And Joshua had just come out of 40 years of watching the children of Israel not do it the right way. And so he was intent on doing it exactly the right way. Be willing, people, to commit to persistent and consistent obedience to what you already know God's calling you to do. Some of you would say, I don't know what he wants me to You know some of the things he wants you to do. Just keep doing those things. Keep walking. Just keep walking. Question. Why do you think that, that you didn't see a commander of the army of the Lord standing in front of you with a sword today? Why, why, why do you think that never happens to us anymore? What do you think? I'll give you a suggestion. Because those people in the Old Testament did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. They didn't have God living inside them. So he would, ha- he would show up and he would manifest himself among them through one of these angels or something like that. Or he would speak to them in a vision or something like that. But guys, these people didn't have God living inside of them. You realize that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside your body? Jesus said in John chapter 16, it's better for you. It's, it's advantageous for you if I go away because if I go away he'll, he'll send the comforter a friend that sticks closer than a brother that will they'll lead you into truth convict the world of sin and righteousness the spirit does all that stuff in us so we don't need an angel to show up and tell us do it this way but think about this the New Testament is still full of all these commands right we, we just got through with a series on the Sermon on the Mount it was all these one gut punch after another. Like you get love your enemies. Don't have lust in your heart. You can't be angry. And on and on and on. And it's like Jesus is saying at the end of the sermon, he said, hey, the, the person who hears my words and does them is like the person that builds his house on the rock. So it's just a New Testament set of rules, right? But guess what? He didn't leave us with a set of rules. He left us with an empty tomb. You see, the same Jesus that taught all those things the night before he was crucified said to his, to his disciples, hey, you've heard everything I've said. You've been walking with me for three years. But this one new command I give you, that you love one another. The way that I love you, love one another. See, it's not about the rules. It's not about just, just keeping in step anymore because Jesus took all that sin, all, those, all the brokenness in our lives to the cross. And when he left the cross, and He came out of that tomb, we were free. We were free from all that. We're free from the law. And He says, just love people the way that I love you. And then He said, Paul 
starts writing his letters. And he starts talking about walking in the Spirit. Not walking around in sec elves. Around because you were told to. We're not doing it one time today, one time tomorrow, and seven times on Sunday. But walking in step with the Spirit. And you know what? The Spirit probably doesn't walk in circles. You know why I think that? Because He's much more creative than that. Last week, Brock was talking about if Jesus were around today in the flesh, would we even notice Him? Because we wouldn't be looking for Him in the places He would probably be. You see, if we're following, walking in step with the Spirit, the Spirit's probably going to lead you to some places, some parts of town, some parts of the world that you wouldn't choose to go in the flesh. But walking in step with the Spirit... can change our priorities. I'd never met Steve Hamlin until this week. And Steve's Mike's twin brother. He called me and he said, I don't feel like God's done with old Mike yet. And I feel like that the church needs to be called to pray. Because I think Mike's going to have a testimony for the rest of his life. He'll never be the same. And the, the church will never be the same because of it. Guess what that was? That was the Spirit in him leading and he's walking in step with the spirit not just walking in a religious circle trying to keep a bunch of rules but being willing to take a step of faith that might make you look foolish if it doesn't turn out that way guys walking in step with the spirit is possible because the spirit is in us are you still with me okay we're about we're about to uh, we're about to land this plane Ephesians 5:15 be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as, as wise. It mattered how the children of Israel walked around that, that city. It mattered because they were following the instructions that God had given them. It's important that you and I follow the instructions that God's given us because He hasn't told us walk around that specifically. It's like, no, the Spirit's going to lead us into truth day by day, moment by moment. How you walk matters. Last one is this. Making the shout matter. Make your shout matter. See, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 10, it's like the, the third time in this, in this passage where, where they gave the instructions of how everything was supposed to, to break down. But in Joshua 6, 10, listen to what it says. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice be heard, neither shall any word go out from your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then, and only then, shout. Why? Don't, wanna, don't, don't be shouting the first time you walk around the city. Don't be shouting the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time or the sixth time. Don't be shouting the first six times that you walked around the city on the last day. But when I tell you to shout, unleash that shout. I mean, just, just let it go. Why? See, in this story, I, th I thought it was interesting that the trumpets were blowing pretty much the whole time, right? So they're walking around blowing these trumpets, letting the enemy know that they're there, but not saying a word. And I think this is why, because the enemy, God wanted the trumpets blasting to let those people know that the army of God was on sight. 
It, the army was there, but, but they're not talking. They're not shouting until God tells them to shout. He wanted the enemy to watch how they walked. God wanted the people of Jericho to watch how the children of God walked. Guys, if I pull this analogy into today, I think that that, that, that ram's horn blast that's just, it's just, it's just going all the time, I think that's the gospel. I think that's, that's Jesus. That's, that's the drum that we bang every week. But it's, it's the word of the Lord. It's the, the blast lets the enemy know we're there, but all we're supposed to be doing is walking. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Walk in step with the Spirit. And then, after all these acts of per- persistent and consistent obedience... Then, let your shout come out. Then it's time to shout. It always, guys, our voice takes on gravity and weight in the world when it's, when it's on the backside of obedience and faithfulness. So yeah, my fear is the church for years and years is just, just shouting all the time about everything. Mad about the Bible, something, I don't know. But just shouting, now it's on social media. It's like everybody's got to have an opinion. Everything's politicized. Maybe it's time for us to just walk and step with the Spirit and wait for the trumpet. And then, then we shout and we say something that matters. Does that make sense? That is my prayer over this season in the life of our church, is that we would just keep walking. Keep walking. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. We keep walking and step with the Spirit and wait for God to tell us when it's time to shout. And then say something that matters. So, in conclusion, priorities change when we stop wandering and we start taking possession of the promises of God. God still rewards acts of consistent and persistent obedience, acts of faithfulness. We don't need voices from heaven telling us exactly what the recipe for success is. No, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Listen. Listen to it. How you walk matters. And when we say something to the world, make sure God's telling us to say it before we say it. Let's pray together. Father, I just uh, ask that you might make this so simple for us. to know how to walk in obedience to your Spirit. How to love one another well. How to claim the promises of God. To keep walking around those walls until you make them fall. And we'll give you all the glory because we won't deserve any of it. But I pray that uh, these people under the sound of my voice, people watching at home, would make the most of every opportunity They would walk as wise, not as unwise, because the days are evil. And we desperately need you. We need to know that we're not alone. I pray that there would be that assurance in some people's hearts today as we celebrate you and we worship in response. Amen.